0: If you're able, would you remain standing for the reading of God's Word? I'm reading out of Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 39. This is the first of a three-part Advent series. Luke 1, starting at verse 39, we're going to read through verse 56. Luke 1, 39, this is the Word of our Lord. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maid servant, for behold henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercies on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you revealed yourself to us in your word. We pray to open our eyes by your grace to see great things concerning you. Change us today, we pray in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. Please be seated. Music and singing have been a big part of Christmas from the very first one. We find Mary singing, Zacharias singing, the hosts of heaven singing. Simeon singing, that was just part of that first Christmas. And it's interesting that Luke is the only one that records for us all that singing that took place around that first Christmas. He's the one that records all these songs of the new year of Christ, the new year of the new covenant, the inception of the new covenant in song. The point that one commentator, one scholar said, Luke the artist has gathered and collected under the guidance of the Holy Ghost the stories which reveal the fact that when Jesus came into the world, poetry expressed itself in music was reborn. Today, and in the next two weeks, we will consider three of these songs of Christmas. Today we'll take a look at Mary's song. Next week, we will delight ourselves in Simeon's song, and I know that... Uh, We're going to after the birth of Christ before Christmas, but I think the Lord will forgive us from doing that. And then on Christmas Day, we will let the host of heaven lead us in singing. Before us today, we find two humble women, Elizabeth and Mary, and they teach us great things about God in their humility. Ultimately, they teach us dependence on the grace of God and faith in the promises of God. And as we move toward that conclusion, I want, us to do, I, want, I want to do three things. I want us to see and to set this passage in its space and time so that we can fully understand it. Then I want us to see that it is an exciting thing to meet the Lord. And lastly, I, I want to show you that the Lord uses the humble to do great things for himself. So that's the plan for this morning. So let's set the passage in space and time. That is, when it happened, where it happened, in order to understand it more fully. Elizabeth was about six months ahead of Mary in her pregnancy. Uh, The angel says as much to Mary when he announces the conception of Christ. In verse 36, one of the proofs, That what he's saying is true is that Mary can go to visit Elizabeth and see that she's six months pregnant, which is a great thing because Elizabeth was past her bearing years. Uh, We see also that uh, John the Baptist was born shortly after Mary left. In verses fifty six and fifty seven, says that she stayed with uh, Mary, stayed with Elizabeth for three months, and then right after she left, John the Baptist was born. It is impossible to know how exactly how much time elapsed between the annunciation of uh, Mary's pregnancy and then Mary's trip to uh, visit Elizabeth. But the impression we get is that it happened right away, you know, that when the angel told her, she packed up her things and went to see, uh, to see Elizabeth. Uh, verse 38 seems to lead directly into the, uh, the action of verse 39, when there Luke says, in those days, which, which days? The days in which Mary found out that she was pregnant, with Jesus, we know that Mary lived in Nazareth, which is in Galilee, the old territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. And Elizabeth lived in Judean hill, uh, the Judean uh, hillside, south of Jerusalem. We learned that in verse thirty-nine. Now, scholars estimate that's about fifty to seventy miles between houses. Uh, that's the distance that Mary traveled to go visit Elizabeth. Uh, in those days, it would have been a very dangerous five to f- four to five days trip for this woman to take alone to go from Nazareth in Galilee to whatever the city was that um, Elizabeth and Zacharias lived, but it was south of Jerusalem. Now, the geography of passages of this passage matters because of another prophecy. Now, Mary was coming out of Nazareth in Galilee. That's the old Zebulon and Naphtali territory. The two tribes of Israel were settled there under Joshua. And in Isaiah chapter 9, we read, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he he lighted, esteemed the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. And afterward, more heavily oppress her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, a blessing father, Prince of Peace. And you can see here Luke going out of his way, saying that Mary indeed came out of Galilee, the land of Naphtali, showing that this Jesus that she's bearing is that one that was prophesied in Another thing we learn here is that Elizabeth and Mary were related. In verse 36, the angel tells us that it's interesting that they were family, but they were from different tribes. Mary was from the tribe of Judah. We know that from the genealogy that uh, Luke and Matthew give us. And Elizabeth was a Levite. As a matter of fact, in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Luke, she's called a daughter of Aaron. Not just a Levite, but uh, from the lineage of the high priest as well. Now, have you ever thought why Mary went to visit Elizabeth? Have you ever taken time to to kind of ask yourself, why why did she do that? Uh, It's not common. It wasn't a common trip. It wasn't something that she did all the time. We think of going to visit somebody today as just being so normal, but back then it was not a mobile society as we have today. Well, it makes a lot of sense that Mary went to visit Elizabeth during this time. This trip would give her time to reflect on all that was going on in her life. She is a teenager. An angel showed up to her and said, You're going to be pregnant, and you're, not, you're going to be pregnant without knowing any man. It's going to be from the Holy Spirit. Just imagine now this teenager, this unwedded, pregnant teenager going home to talk to her dad. Dad, I'm pregnant. Oh, that Joseph. I'm going. No, no, no. It was not Joseph. It was God. Right. And and her life is going to change tremendously. So this allowed her time to process all these things. And also, Elizabeth was possibly the only person in the entire world who could actually relate to what Mary was going through. Remember, an angel had also appeared to Zacharias. And Elizabeth... Conception is also miraculous. And now she comes to visit her, um, her cousin, her related somehow, so probably cousins. Now notice if you, if you have your Bible open that verses 47 through 55 are set differently than the rest of the passage. Uh, it's this past, this, these verses are often called the Magnificat because of the first word in the Latin Vulgate. The Latin Vulgate was a translation of the Bible Uh, done by uh, Jerome in Palestine in the uh, 400s and became the official Bible of the church for years. And the first word of verse 45 in Latin, or verse 47 in Latin, is Magnificat. And that's how it became known. Now, if you you have little headings over your Bible, it says that that's the Song of Mary. But you notice that uh, it starts by saying, And Mary said... So whether Mary actually sang this passage or, or merely recited it is impossible to know. We do know, though, that it's written in poetic structure. It's, it's to use modern language, it's metered. It, it, could, it could be sung if it was chosen to, do, to, be, to, to, to be done uh, in the original language. And that brings us, then, we've set the passage in its historical context and time and place, and that brings us to Elizabeth. And we see in Elizabeth, Elizabeth shows us that it is an exciting thing to meet the Lord. Mary received the warmest of greetings from Elizabeth when she entered into the house. Look at verses 41 and 42. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your Now, besides the uh, regular excitement of having a younger relative visit, the Holy Spirit revealed to Elizabeth that she was in the presence of the Lord of the universe. She and John were in the presence of the long hoped for Messiah promised to God's people throughout the Old Testament. And the excitement shows that Elizabeth doesn't... Uh, hold back. Uh, in, in our translation says that she spoke uh, with a loud voice. Some translate says she exclaimed with a, a loud voice. This is not a quiet reunion. There, there's a lot of screaming and yelling and, and excitement be, not just because Mary showed up but because Mary showed up carrying her womb, the long hoped Messiah and Elizabeth was excited about receiving, to knowing, knowing the Lord, that she was in the presence of the Lord. And, and brothers and sisters, we are not any less in the presence of God right here, right now, than Elizabeth was 2,000 years ago. Christ is present with His church, even right now. He is among His lampstands, and He's walking even with us, and we are in His presence. How exciting that is. For us, And we have way more information about him than Elizabeth ever had. And the excitement wasn't limited to Elizabeth. Look at verse 43. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. At the sound of Mary's joy, at the sound of Mary's voice, John, in Elizabeth's womb, went crazy. Now, babies often move, and I am sure that when the mom is excited, as Elizabeth Elizabeth was, um, that the baby will move more. But this is more than that. The baby was leaping for joy in the presence of his Lord. And the reaction of the baby is important here, though it's not germane to the passage. Every time we come across something like this, because of the times that we live in, we have to mention this. The Holy Spirit considers both Jesus and John in the womb full persons, capable of worship and joy, not merely genetic humans or potential persons. So if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible... There's no place for you to think that somehow a baby in the womb is not a full person. You see John here worshiping. We see John full of joy because he's in the presence of his Lord. And notice that Elizabeth acknowledges that the baby Mary's carrying is greater than the one she is carrying. She's acknowledged that the baby that Mary's is carrying is more important than the baby that she is carrying. In verse 43, she says, But why is this granted to me that the mother of my lord should come to me? That's not common, right? Moms think that other people's kids are better than their kids. That that's not that this is proof of the Holy Spirit's presence in Elizabeth uh, in Elizabeth's life. But she says, The mother of my Lord is in my presence. Notice that she wasn't jealous of Mary. She's truly able to rejoice with Mary. What Elizabeth does here is to display the same attitude that later on her son was going to display towards the Savior. When John is confronted, when John said, Hey, you should do something, you should exalt yourself, John replies by saying, He, Christ, must increase. I must decrease. These are truly humble women who can teach us what true joy for one another is. And that's really a sign of humility, isn't we? When we are able to rejoice with other people. A scholar in reflecting upon Elizabeth's attitude said the following, he who elevates himself is constantly engaged in wrecking his own life. But he who is sincerely humble find richness of life and happiness. And we see that in Elizabeth, and we're going to see that in Mary as well. Now, as I said earlier, Elizabeth didn't quietly say these things. In verse 42, 42 says that she spoke with a loud voice, or she exclaimed it with a loud voice. She was excited to meet her Lord. She's excited that all the promises that were made in the Old Testament are being fulfilled. And what we see in Elizabeth is the excitement of faith. We are called to be Excited people. And it has nothing to do with the way that we, our worship looks like. Because this is excitement of heart. Now, excitement of heart should sometimes well, manifest itself in excitement in life and the way we carry ourselves, right? The, the, the Babylon Bee joke should not be true that the, where the headline said that the motion lights went off in the Presbyterian worship service. <laughs> Right. We we are excited about the Lord, and, and because of faith. And Mary uh, Elizabeth shows that excitement in meeting her her Savior, even if it's in the womb of Mary. <laughs> it is this humble excitement of faith that propels Mary to sing the Magnificat. Elizabeth assured Mary of God's promise, and Mary could not contain himself. And this song shows us that the Lord uses the humble. The whole song seems to be a contrast between the humble and the proud, and this song teaches a lot, of, a lot of things about Mary. We learn by reading this song that Mary saw herself as a sinner in need of a savior. In verse forty seven it says, "And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Saviour. Only sinners need to need a Savior. And Mary recognized that like everyone else, except for the baby she was carrying in her womb, she too needed to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. She understood that she needed to be redeemed from her sins. Mary's view of herself contradicts the Roman Catholic Church's dogma of the Immaculate Conception of Mary, which teaches that Mary did not have original sin. So the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is that Mary, too, was virgin conceived. That she was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of her mother. So that she would not have a sinful nature. And yet, Mary says, hey, God is my Savior. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. We also learn here that Mary gives all glory to God for what He, he is doing in her life. In verse 46... She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She magnifies God. That is, she declares the greatness of God. She's not seeking attention for herself. She wants all praise and glory to be deflected to God. And that's what the humble does. Mary teaches us how life should be lived, deflecting all glory to God. We are to be, we are to be glory mirror, mirrors. Somebody, some glory comes to us, we reflect that back to God. Not glory black holes that absorb everything and nothing comes out. And that's a sign of humility. We also see in this song that Mary knows her Bible. The song seems to be modeled after Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. Remember when God granted her to be pregnant with Samuel, Hannah came back to the tabernacle and sang... Before the Lord. And that's something that we see throughout the Bible. Thankfulness for pregnancy as a gift from God is a constant in the Bible. Children are never seen as a curse. All is a blessing and a source of thankfulness. Also, as scholars look through these verses, verses 46 through 55, they find at least 12 references to the Old Testament Mary knew her Bible. The song shows deep piety and knowledge of Scripture on Mary's part, which suits the one who is going to raise the Son of God. Do you realize that That in choosing who was going to be the primary human influence in in his son's life, God chose someone who knew the Bible and theology? Mary was humble. Mary was from a tiny town, maybe ten houses in Nazareth at the time. But she knew her Bible. And she knew theology. Think with, with me about this. If the Son of God needed to be raised by someone who knew the Bible and theology, how much do more do our kids need that? If the Son of God needed that, how much more our kids, who are no saints, need that? So Mary, in her humility, presents a challenge to us as parents. Are we dedicated to the Scriptures? Are we faithful to the Scriptures? Are we understanding and knowing the Scriptures that we might raise our children like Jesus was raised? We also see here that Mary knows her God. He's, he knows, she knows that He is powerful. In verse 49, she says, For He who is mighty has done great things for me. In verse 51, she says, He has shown strength with His arm, He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Because she knew the Bible, she knew her God, and she knew that her God was all-powerful. She also knew that her God was holy. Verse 49, she says, and holy is His name. His name, everything that reveals His nature is holy. She knew her God. She knew that her God was merciful. In verse 50, and His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. Verse 54, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His Mercy. This is, this, this is an echo of Psalm 103, where there the Lord says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Mary knew her God, and she knew that her God was faithful. In verses 54 and 55, she says, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. All of what's going on with, with Mary is a result of God's promise to Abraham, two millennia before Mary. God promised that all the nations would be blessed in Abraham's seed, and that seed is coming through Mary. Brothers and sisters, God is faithful in his own timing. In Abraham's case, 2,000 years before he saw that promise fulfilled. But he is faithful. Mary, in her humility, knew that her God was faithful to do everything that he promised to do. We also learn in the song that Mary was a believer. In verse 50, she says, And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Elizabeth called her a believer in verse 45. Blessed is is she who believed. In the Old Testament, the idea of fearing God is the equivalent of believing in God. So Mary was was a believer. She knew that she was not sufficient of herself. She needed to believe to trust in God, her Savior. And Leslie, we learn that Mary serves the Lord in humility. In verse 48, she says, For he has regarded the lowliest state of his maidservant. It's interesting that she's saying that God chose her exactly because she was humble. She was lowly. Was, There's was no, nothing that humanity would find respectful about her. Nothing that would cause, humanity would cause to exalt her. And throughout the song, there's a comparison between the proud and the humble. In verse 51, the Lord scare, scatters the proud. In verse 52, he brings down the mighty and exalts the humble. And Mary says, all generations will call her blessed, not because of who she is, but because of what God is doing through her. In 48, she says, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Maid for behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. Not because she was highly exalted on on her own but because God graciously worked in her. Mary seems to have had an understanding of her role as the mother of the Son of God. But her exaltation is because of the grace of God not because of any merit on her part. And in doing that He teaches us that God uses the humble. In Psalm 51 verse 17 David says the sacrifices of God a broken and a contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. And that was what Mary was doing. Mary and Elizabeth are godly women who teach us many things, but above all, they teach us dependence on the grace of God and faith in the promises of God. And they teach us that God uses and blesses the humble. You and I, will do well to learn from Mary and Elizabeth. Absolute dependence on the grace of God, faith in the promises of God, and humble obedience to our Lord. And that's what your God calls you to do. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that your word is clear. We thank you for the testimonies of saints that have gone before us and now sit in that cloud of witnesses, encouraging us and affirming that we too can run our race as you call us to run. Help us to live in humility, trusting in your promises, in submission to your word. Rely on your grace. rest in Jesus' name. Amen.